Let's pray before you sit down. Father, I thank you again for this time to share what you have laid on my heart. Just ask for wisdom. Father, as we look into the subject of evangelism, Father, if it's something worth living for, it's something worth talking about. And I just thank you, Lord, for these young people. Lord, there's a tremendous potential here. And I just want to stir that fire within their heart to just be sold out and not to hold back and be ashamed of the gospel. Because if if we're ashamed of you, you're going to be ashamed of us. And Lord, at the same time, to have a humble spirit about it. Not that we're brazen and bold and mar the testimony of you because of our maybe overzealousness of it, Father. We just want to have sanctified hearts. We want to have pure hearts. All that others can see Christ. And also, not this gospel is not just for us. It's for all humanity, that there is a future. There are two destinations, heaven and heaven or hell. And Father, every soul that is born into this world is going to spend eternity somewhere. And Lord, you are counting on us to tell others so that their soul can be saved and that they can also experience that peace and joy when we all get to heaven and sing those perfect songs and there will be no more suffering, no more trials, no more pain. Lord, we want them to also experience that too. And it's, also th- it's only through the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that they're able to be saved. Again, we ask that you will continue to pour your Spirit out upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to thank you for your prayers, your words of encouragement. I came here not knowing many of you. And I want to thank you for your love and for your, your kindness to this fellow that's from the East Coast and maybe doesn't understand all the thinking of the West Coast. And yet there is only one God. And I'm thankful even though we have maybe different ways of doing things, I want you to know there's only one way to heaven. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Our world is telling us you can get to heaven many different ways. Through Allah, through Muhammad. This goes on and on. But there is only one way to heaven. And that is through the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before I get into the subject of evangelism, Brother Luke said he wanted to bear his heart. And I guess I feel led to bear my heart too a little bit. I guess for my whole session, not just for a little bit right here at the beginning. But I am sensing that some of you maybe are struggling, and I'm not sure I haven't put my finger on what yet. Um, I've been to different Bible schools. This is, not the, this is not new for me. And I see many of you that have a clear countenance and want to do what's right, but I kind of sense maybe you're not sure how to... I don't know if you're, you're working through your own emotions or your own future or, or what. And you might think, well, you're sure putting a lot of... You're dampening our spirit here, and I, I don't want to do that at all. But I just want to encourage you that if you are saved, 
God bless you. God is taking you step by step. And don't get discouraged as He works through your heart. But if you're not saved, you might be pretending you're saved and making it look good. My prayer is that you will repent and get right with God. So I could be way off. I, but I just kind of sense in my spirit, I, I know how young people, I know what struggles are, even today yet. And sometimes I have some of these fears and doubts that come into my life. And, and I just need to, just like Brother Luke said, get over to this side where I see Christ. And He is my all and in all. He is everything about me. Maybe with the testimonies that were shared of others and maybe in your prayer group as someone is expressing how God met their needs and everything, our, our tendency sometimes is to think, well, I didn't quite have that type of experience. Maybe, maybe I'm not saved. Well, if you are saved, you don't need to worry about that. Now, if you're not saved, then you need to be saved. But I'm going to just give this illustration. Sometimes we, we have a... Okay, this illustration I'm giving is from our, our home congregation. We have a brother that's an ex-drug dealer in our congregation, uh, a man that I know very well, helped him through a lot of things, and he's <clears throat> has been accountability, accountable to me over the years. But as I drew that... You know, body, soul, and spirit. He was always longing before he was a Christian for that next fix. That next fix. And you and I would I'd say, well, that's because his body was in control. Now, I sense sometimes among the people of God that we have a tendency of maybe doing that spiritually. And I, I want to make myself clear that I believe in the working of the Lord, but somewhere we kind of get this idea because my testimony doesn't quite match that person's testimony, and, and we start comparing ourselves that I just kind of need another fix. It's a little bit like a hit-and-miss engine. Boys, you know about hit-and-miss engines, right? You know. Um... That's really, that might be a crude illustration, but that's not quite, that's not what the Christian life, how that functions. Uh, in spite of our disappointments and everything of life, but sometimes we just, and then we get what we call a fix, and we get on a high, and the next thing we're looking for the next high. And I think maybe, as I've heard your testimonies of some of your friends today that are maybe out in the evangelical world, um, or the norm of Christendom, maybe that's what they have been doing. I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're just strong. They're, you know, I'm just not quite satisfied with, with where God has me at this point. So I, I need that. I don't know if I'm making sense to you or not, but I, I, I need that out there. And, and yet at the same time, I don't want to dampen the spirit of stretch. We need a stretch closer to the Lord, but at the time we're stretching, we still have to have that peace and joy in our heart. <clears throat> I'll just give this too. Um, talking about another tractor here. And uh, we had a family, I think it was for my 40th birthday, 
family was together and they had invited some friends and my daughter, my second daughter was dating at the time and they just came to me and said, Dad, we're, we're leaving for a little bit. I had a policy that they never went anywhere without me knowing where they went and what they were doing. And I said, well, where are you headed? Well, can you trust us just this once? We have something that we want to do. And I looked at my wife and her head's going like this. And if my wife's head is going like this, I, I, I knew that there must be something that's taking place. And they, they left. And as we were sitting out in the yard, it was in the summertime, I heard in the distance this And I thought, okay. He went over to the neighbor to get their putt-putt John Deere, which he has a wagon behind it. And he was going to give us all a ride on, on this putt-putt John Deere. And I could hear this And I knew that he made a turn. And then coming towards our place, there's a little bit of a hill. And it was a kept going that's maybe a little more how our Christian life is sometimes there is turns that we need to make and we need to slow down a little bit and see what God is doing in our hearts and lives and that's what's that's what that's why we're here not that you put it in neutral and don't allow it and when the going gets tough the putt putt is still there even as we're climbing a hill it probably is a crude illustration, but I, I just want to bless you young people. Don't try to fabricate something that's not there. And be real. Even when you share your testimonies. We like to get up or whatever and share a glorious testimony. And I've seen young people that I have worked with personally, they got up and gave a different testimony than what they actually experienced on the floor. It was more glowing. And I, I just, I, I want you to be honest and real. Because the world, as they watch on, they're able to see who's real and who isn't. And as we look into the subject of evangelism, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Some of Jesus' last words was a, was, is the commission... And I realized that he was speaking to the 11 disciples when he said these words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee and to a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, O powers given unto me in heaven and in earth, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, some take this portion of Scripture and say that was just for the eleven disciples. But we've been talking about discipleship. Brother Denny and Brother Luke, they've all been talking about disciples, how the Holy Spirit works through you as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as, as I said in my prayer, if it's worth living for, it's worth talking about. 
If you if if it's worth for you to be a Christian and it's and you understand what it is to be saved and you understand what it is to have your sins forgiven, why wouldn't you want to tell somebody else about what you're experiencing? Why do we want to keep our mouths shut? The Bible says, I know there's a time to speak and a time to be quiet. I'm still trying to learn the be quiet one. But uh you know, when it comes to testifying of the Lord, you know, we open our mouth, He will fill it. And when it comes to this, this testimony, and I understand that maybe some of this evangelism, evangelism might be new to you. I, uh, there, I've, I've been taught from little on up about being evangelistic and reaching out and telling others about what God has done in your, in your heart. And Jesus is giving this commission, and as I look at it, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now at that time there was, a, there was different nations. And before these eleven were able to, or these eleven gave their lives or died a physical life before all nations at that time were actually covered. So there's... There were still some nations that had been unreached. Some will tell you and say, well, that was their responsibility and the Word has gone out and now we just sit back and that, lies, they, that all lies with God. Well, I want you to know that when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, upon His church, as they were up in that upper room, there was more than 12 there. And His Spirit poured out upon them and Jesus told them that you are supposed to go to Jerusalem after I ascend into heaven and you are to wait for this promise of the Holy Ghost. And this is what He says in Acts chapter 1 now about them receiving the power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. That word means martyr unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and, under, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I think, Brother Denny, you mentioned what, 8 billion people today? They're saying possibly is live? Somewhere, somewhere over 7 billion people. And someone else told me recently, and I'm not sure if this is factual or not, maybe you can verify it, that there's actually more people living today than there ever was that, if you would add them all together, that ever lived. That surprised me, and I see some heads going like that's not the first time you heard that. But there are people on this earth. Even in our own nation, even in Seattle, Washington, that never heard about Jesus. I was in New York City and I mentioned Jesus to someone. He said, well, who's Jesus? I never heard of Jesus. And he was not from another country. He was from our country. Born in, in New York City. But in verse 8 it says that we are going to, that the church is going to receive this power, or Jesus is telling them that they are going to receive this power of the Holy Ghost. And it says, ye shall be witnesses. And that word, like I said, means martyr. So, how could somebody be martyred if they didn't do anything? The reason they got martyred is they were testifying of the things of the Lord and doing and witnessing and evangelizing. If they would have just kept quiet about it, they would have never turned out to be martyrs. Right? It's because they opened their mouth and lived a godly life in front of everybody that it got the people riled up and they said, well, this, they're, they're preaching this Jesus and that He died for their sins and we got to put a stop to this. And as you look through the book of Acts of how it was happening, the more they, they crucified, I'm sorry, the more they persecuted the Christians, the faster it grew. And that happened even in the, 
happening in our time. You know, we don't understand what bodily persecution is, but our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world do. Now, in the book of Acts, it also mentions that they were so zealous for the Lord that they were turning the world upside down. One man said, no, they were turning it right side up. Because the world is already upside down, we need to turn them right side up and get them back to the things of the Lord. Had I said Acts 1 or had I said Acts 2? I meant Acts 1 if I wasn't... Had I said Acts 1 about you receive power. Now let's go to chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man, this is what I believe speaking in tongues is all about, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. It was something that was able to be understood by certain individuals. When speaking in tongues gets out of place is when no one can interpret it. No one can understand it. And it's chaos rather than bringing and solidifying the, Lord, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these that which speak Galilean? They said, well, these men are speaking... Well, they're from Galilee. They're, they're Galileans. They should be speaking this language. And, and we're hearing them in our own language. Think God can do that today? Think He can do it to you at Seattle tomorrow? As you testify of the Lord and someone else doesn't even know English, can they maybe hear as you talk that in their own language? Andrew Jancy from, I forget, Florida. I'm not sure where he was from. was an evangelist that traveled up and down the East Coast. Maybe he got out here in the West. I don't know. But there was a, a lady one time after the service that could not speak English but knew Russian. And after the service, she came back to the end of the and and through an interpreter said thank you for preaching in my language she heard the whole message in her tongue sometimes we think wow but i want you to know that's the same god that you and i serve today he can do that it's not hard for him it's because of our lack of our faith the lack of our unbelief that it doesn't happen maybe maybe we're in the way too much then he spoke. Peter stood up, and he was zealous for the Lord. And things began to happen. Thought I had wrote another script. Yeah, let's turn to Acts twelve now. Peter got in trouble. Some people were not very happy with him. <clears throat> And as we evangelize, you're going to have people that are going to mock you. You're going to have people that will spit at you. You'll have people that will basically almost hit you. Um, I was in Black Harlem years ago. And we, you, we never went into Black Harlem without a black pastor with us. And there was a group that actually came and spit on us. 
And I expected the black pastor to try to, he, he asked us for the mic because we were actually the ones preaching. And I thought that he's going to try to appease, but he didn't. He, he preached to his own people and said, when you preach Christ, it brings the evil out of everybody. And after that group left, there was one man out of that group that was off to the side. I saw him go off to the side. And after a while, he wandered over. I was not the one preaching at the time. It was someone else. And he walked up to that brother and he said, I want whatever you have. He said, we spit upon you. We mocked you. We made fun of you. And after the black pastor got the speaker or the mic, he said, you just said to us, I love you. He said, I want someone. I want to know how it is to love someone when they're not loved. I mean, there was no love coming from them, and yet he turned around and showed love to them. He said, that is what I want, and was able to be one to the Lord that day. Where that man is today, I don't know, but I hope that somehow it made, it made a difference. You're not going to be loved by everybody. And it's tough sometimes to, to stand up for what's right, but it makes us think, especially when the hard questions come. Why? Sisters, do you wear the prayer veiling? You're going to be asked that question. Are you ready? Well, our church asks us to do it. Is that how you're going to answer? No. Why don't you go to war? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You mean you don't have television in your house? (laughs) What do you do for pastime? Those are the questions that come. Don't be intimidated. Because they are, and some of them might do it in a mocking way, but most times they're asking because they, they kind of want to know. They're intrigued by, by people that are, that are not bashful. But in Acts 12 here, Peter, well, in Acts 11, they were first called Christians because they were Christ like, Christ these people were able to see that Christ was mocked, He was ridiculed, He was made fun of, and yet He answered not a word. And now they begin to see that it's not only Christ that was doing this, the people called Christians were actually doing the same thing. They were not fighting back. They were not trying to make a point and trying to argue or whatever. They just lived a godly life, whether it was expressing it on the outward or whether it was a verbal expression out of their mouth. They were preaching and teaching a consistent life. And when you do that, The people that are not of God will not be happy with it. And you will face confrontation. Well, Peter, the next thing he knew in chapter 12 is he's now in prison. I'm thankful for a country that does allow us to, you know, to be on the streets and hand out literature and and to testify of the Lord. But what about... um, you know, in areas, and I, I believe that we do need to be respectful when it comes to government, when it comes to the, the cities. You know, I think it's proper to make, you know, appeal for, you know, can we do this? Um, but when it comes sometimes to a verbal, even some of the things that we preach across our pulpits today, especially with the civil unions and everything, you talk against homosexuality and lesbian um, I could be in trouble now just by even saying that. Because in some areas it's illegal to preach against those things. So what am I going to do? 
just be quiet? No. They still need to, uh, need to know the gospel. One other thing that blesses me about Peter, and I don't know if I could have done this, um, Verse 6. That same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I don't know if I could have been sleeping. As Peter being thrown into prison, and now he's between two soldiers, and he doesn't know what's going to, what's going to happen to him tomorrow, the next day, it says that he was sleeping. What would have you been doing? Paul and Silas, they were in prison. They were singing. They were joyful. I would have probably been, what's going to happen tomorrow? No, they were in the will of the Lord. They understood what it was to just say, Lord, it's not me. It's You. I understand what it is to have You as my vision as my goal and you have asked me to share the good news with others and Lord if you want me to spend time in prison that's fine if you want my life to end that's fine that's what it is to have a resigned heart and there are those the world over that are doing that in most countries in a lot of the countries the Muslim countries or or some of the the stronger Muslim countries there's a, there's a distinction between a Christian and an unchristian. Very clear. And when you say you're a Christian, you might not last for very long because you might be taken out by somebody or, or uh, killed. They're, they don't have mercy upon Christianity like our country does today. And we think, well, maybe if we would be persecuted, that would give me... I would be able, if there would be more of a clear line between right and wrong, I could be more zealous then for the Lord. Well, I want you to know that if we can't be zealous for the Lord now in testifying of the goodness of the Lord, you're not going to do it in persecution either. You're going to cave in to all the demands and everything that has come upon them. One of the accounts in the martyr's mirror that has been a blessing to me was a very young girl. I, I forget her age. She was either 9 or 12 years old that loved the Lord Jesus Christ with her heart. And they were being um, persecuted as, as a church. And she was taken into prison. And as the executioner was taking her out to, to take her head, she looked up at that man with a smile on her face as he was leading her. He was taller than her. And she said, you know what? I love you. And the man could hardly carry it. He didn't want to carry it out, but he was under duty to do it. And he took that little girl and took her head. But you know, within a month or two, he got saved. Because a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old was just to say, I love you. Could have I said that? To know that I'm headed to the, the block? And, but they viewed, they understood what it was to give their lives for the Lord. And through their blood, even the shedding of their blood, it didn't save anybody. But their blood did um, was, was the growth of the church in that time. And so it is with the, the martyr of God's people even today. And that takes, 
It takes a love greater than the words I love you when you know that your life is going to be taken. And we have a hard time even loving those that don't love us today when it's a life of ease. And the challenge is, can I love those that do not love me? And our world is changing fast. And in the horizon, it looks like we as God's people are going to um, be faced with with different issues. Uh, Talking about this, and I know you were talking about different things, Luke, of applications. Um, I feel that if we would be running for our lives, there wouldn't be this line. (laughs) There wouldn't be this line as much. When I first grew a beard, my background, you didn't grow beards. That was worldly. Seems backwards to you, right? (laughs) I have a few uncles that are ministers in in a congregation, and this is what I told them. I love my uncles. We got in discussion. I said, his name is Harlan. I said, Uncle Harlan, when we're ever being persecuted and we're running from barn to barn, we're going to look alike. (laughs) But you know, that is my facial hair. But that could apply to some of the things that we get hung up on. As we, I believe a church needs standards. I know it sounds spiritual to say, well, we don't have standards at our church, but even churches that say that today are, they they do have a guideline or something that they do accept as the norm. So when, when we are faced with things that are, um, these areas, I told Brother Luke, he shared in a half hour, 45 minutes, what I was trying for the last (laughs) two days, is that relationship. And uh, I I thought it was so well that our goal, our vision needs to be towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't need to worry about the devil. Uh, Sometimes we're looking towards Christ and, oh, where's the devil right now? No, I believe in the protection of the saints of God from the enemy from the evil one. So let's give God the glory as we uh, evangelize. Maybe your heart is fluttering a little bit. What? You know, this is, I never did this before or something a little new. That's all right. The Lord will be with you. Um, Yeah, that's all I'm going to say for now. So be filled. And I, I missed those verses. I was going to read them too about being filled of the Holy Ghost so that we can evangelize. I thought of taking a cup of water and just pouring water in it until it flows over under that pan. That's what we're doing when when we're evangelizing. The Spirit of God comes upon us and we overflow.